This week is the first anniversary of the Hot Young Designers Club. So to celebrate, we're taking you back to our beginnings and how we started our businesses. We share our education paths, what we invested to launch, and how we got our first projects. Happy birthday to us. Let's go. Hi, I'm Rebecca of Studio Plum. And I'm Sean of Renstead Interiors. We're interior designers. Turned internet friends. Turned real life friends. Welcome to the Hot Young Designers Club podcast. We're not that hot. Or that young. Every week, we'll be spilling the tea on how a new generation of interior designers can run their businesses. Welcome Welcome to to the the club. club. Hey, Sean. What's up, Rebecca? I have a friend in town. Hey. Here we're coming at you live from sunny Sacramento. I mean, it's kind of legit. Like <laughs> recording in the same physical space? Yeah, and not just watching on Zoom and staring at each other's office walls as backgrounds the whole time. Yeah, so Sean's here. We've got some vaccines in the works, so we decided it was time for another in-person and taking care of some biz. Yeah, it was a little weird going, for those of you who also haven't traveled, I took a flight, I flew on Southwest from Long Beach, which was actually probably the easiest airports to ever go through. Yeah, those are the two like <laughs> best airports in California, for sure. So that was easy, but it was weird being on a flight. But I felt safe. I felt like everything was spread out. The flight wasn't crowded. They didn't overbook it. So it was probably the best case that it could be. Yeah, that sounds actually ideal. Except for the no um, drinks. Yeah, an hour flight, you could down a down a cocktail normally and yeah, at least a little bloody. Enjoy your, you know, morning visit. Okay, well, let's do a little F and S. Little fizz and sizz action. I'll start. So my sis Bobby Burke reposted one of my photos because they did a roundup of creative paint ideas. Yeah. And so, and at the time, he just, like, posted it in stories, which was fun. But the other day, he posted on his feed, which was really fun, because he has 3 million followers-ish. Yeah. So, I was really curious what kind of effect that would have, and seeing the comments was really funny. So, when he first posted, he tagged me in the photo, gave me credit in the post. Yeah, he did. In the caption. But he didn't credit my photographer. So I just said, oh, yeah, photo by Nicole Diane Photo. She also posted on her post and a few of her followers tagged him in the feed. Anyway. Okay. Just saying, hey, photo credit to Nicole. And Yeah. I mean, she want her to have her moment in the sun, too. Yeah. And, I mean, everyone was very nice about it. And I was just curious how he was going to handle it. Yeah. And also, there were a lot of comments in the post just from commenters saying how much they love his work. And, oh, I love this room. You always do such a good job kind of stuff. Yeah. And so, a couple days later, he went through, updated the caption to include her, tagged her properly. And he went through every comment and properly credited me on the design. Like big ups back. Yeah, really sweet to all of his followers, but also like just good people. So I don't know. That was really like the right way for a big account to have to handle it. Totally. Oh, and then Do- Zoe Deschanel. I know you're like famous now. She gave me an all <laughs> caps cute. <laughs> So, Zoe, if you ever listen, Rebecca's available wherever you need her to travel. Isn't she with the property brother, though? I mean, that doesn't mean that she can't... Yeah. (laughs) Design around. She can get at you. No, that was fun. Yeah. And Fizzle, just, I just never seem to learn, and I overbooked myself in a major way last week. I think... (laughs) I counted 16 appointments. It's not a good week. Not a good look. And that was only Monday through Thursday. <laughs> well, kind of, but because we were together yesterday. But some of them were personal appointments, like eyebrows, haircut. My daughter's going back to school, so there's some of that stuff. 
Yeah, parent-teacher, school meetings. Oh, my God. I just remembered. I forgot to go to one. <laughs> Whoops. <laughs> yeah, and some of it was just my fault. I should have blocked more time out. So that was terrible. I got maybe one hour at my desk all week. It just clients. It makes way too much anxiety and pressure, and it just really puts a magnifying glass on, like, your story, while it's unique to you and it's your experience, it's not unlike the experience of so many families and mostly mothers all over the country trying to handle business, handle their jobs, handle their families, still be like good parents and supportive of schooling. And it just highlights like what a wacky situation. Right. And my responsibility in it is I shouldn't have had any other client at a couple consultations this week. I should have blocked out the rest of my calendar. But you're trying to do all all the things. Yeah. And something gets dropped. So, oops to the teacher who didn't see you. (laughs) Right, but that was the one that I probably needed to go to. I hope there's a recording. Anyway. So, So, okay. But now we're here. (laughs) (laughs) The rest is history. I'll start with the fizzle, because that was definitely a weird thing. I, I had talked with you about it, that a client and I needed to part ways. And... It was early in the week. I had presented sort of a preliminary budget of where I think things were headed in the project, what that construction timeline would look like. And then the fully, I mean, for since middle of November, took some time out for the holidays, I've been working with them on putting together everything that's going to be involved, expanding on the scope of work that we originally thought about when we were doing the proposal. And there have been some bumps on the road. For those of you that are listening, this client a couple weeks ago sent kind of impatient email over the weekend. And I was like, no, we're not going to feed into that. I thought we had level set on, hey, your expectations need to be kind of over here. Yeah, this is the second time this client has made a fizzle cameo. Yeah. And so I honestly, now that I've had a few days, you and I talked about it. But we decided to part ways, and I don't know how they're going to get their project accomplished. Like, they're having a child getting married at the house next April. They have a hard deadline. And I don't know, A, who they're going to find to help them if they intend to go through with the scale of the project that we had started planning. I don't know who they're going to find to help them and get that done on, you know, a year really goes by very fast when you're doing a lot of construction and it's stuff all over the house. And it's a big house. It's a big house. And so at first I was disappointed and it feels abrupt, you know, Yeah. because it's all the feelings come. And then you're like, no, we've actually been struggling with getting them on board with the expectations throughout the process. They kept going back to, we started in October and I'm like, we did not start in October. I met you in October. And then you didn't sign a contract till mid-November. Like, you took a while getting everything finessed into November. And then we had holiday time off. So I got approximately three weeks done into your project before the end of the year. So And they weren't your full-time... No, they're not my only client. But sometimes I've, I think we need to just reflect on this, that for me, if someone doesn't understand that they're not the only client, you really, you're never going to flip that perspective. They're always going to be thinking about how it is for them. They're fully retired, plenty of time on their hands. You sometimes feel too, I've seen some commonalities between people that come from an executive business background Mm -hmm. that's their leadership style. Right. I expect this done and I expect it done now. You figure out how you're going to make it happen. Almost like you're their employee like a subservient yeah. employee who works for their company is the way they act. Yeah, and I'm used to like a snap and then a team so that magically makes things happen. Right. And I can set any deadline and you guys just put the resources behind exactly. it. And that's not how your business works. No. Going back to why it's fizzleworthy is I feel like we've we covered that. We went through this. Here's how I work. It's me. This is what to expect. Then they weren't really happy with it. So it was, hey, that's not changing. This is how it works. And then I think what it really came down to is in the end, they just they really recognized, oh, this 
this pace and this way of working doesn't make us comfortable. It's not driving with us. And we imagine a very different type of project. And I think them seeing the construction all laid out and that plan built out did make them realize, oh, this is a whole lot bigger than we initially thought we were getting into. And I almost got the feeling they're just going to slap some paint on the place and just leave it be for a while. And no matter what they do, fine. But I packaged it up. I I had a little bit of the retainer that I kept from some work that I had done on the project. So I still got paid for my time. That's great. Mm-hmm. Packaged up as a nicety some of the things we were working on. So if they decide to bring someone else in, they can hand over kind of a, a starting thing, but not it's not all the assets from the project go over. And it wasn't in a finished place to even oh, do no. that. No, they can't take any of what I created and hand it to a city for approval or give it to another designer to flesh out. There's there's not enough there to do it. It's just enough to get the ideas flowing back again, maybe make their next concept stage move a little faster with someone else. Yeah. So I felt lighter it's, yeah, afterwards. It's a sizzle just like hiding as a fizzle. Yeah. But the sizzle like talking about why I'm here and how I'm here is I I've been fully vaccinated Mm -hmm. and I know that everyone's journey to getting vaccinated is different and it depends on your county depends on your state how many doses so I fully recognize what a fortunate position that I'm in and to have had that opportunity because not every city is getting to workers like me but Right, but you volunteered and... Yeah, so my husband works for a hospital system in Long Beach, and Long Beach is fortunate that they have their own public health system, and they they can kind of run their show ahead of where L.A. County is, because L.A. County is so massive, but they're part of L.A. County, and they've been able to roll out more doses. They've pretty much been told by the state that if they continue to roll out doses, they will continue to get new doses. Right. And an opportunity came up for me to volunteer, mostly crowd control, directing people places where to go for a senior citizen vaccination clinic. And they had spare doses at the end of the day, at the end of the shifts. And I was able to do that. And I know that not everyone would have that opportunity, but I was fortunate that There were other volunteers who were able to do it. People who are healthy in a very low risk factor, you know, margin like I am. And so I felt safe going and doing that, being that I'm pretty much isolated most of the time anyway. So it does, there is like a change in your state of mind when you realize like, oh, soon I'm going to be able to have other vaccinated people over for a dinner party. I can come and visit you and know that I'm not creating a lot of risk for you and your family. And I don't know. It's yeah. And my husband's been fully vaccinated too. I've had one dose from kind of a dumpster dose overflow sign up thing that I got. Dumpster <laughs> dose. <laughs> it's either use it's use it or lose it, really, with when it comes to the doses. Yeah, and I got a link to some legit last minute appointments that were of that nature. So yeah, so I'm seventy percent, maybe. We don't know. <laughs> we don't know the exact numbers, but we're getting there, folks. We are getting there. So If you get a call or you can reach out in your community and find out, I know everyone is different. It's very frustrating. And having said that, I still know friends whose parents and grandparents still haven't been able to get appointments. And I know that it really is luck of the draw. If it's available and they're available and they can get to that vaccine clinic, it it's kind of hit or miss for some people still. I get it. Yeah, but I think it's it seems like it's ramping up, which is amazing. Yeah, I'm still very cautiously optimistic that come late spring, a lot of the people we know are going to be vaccinated, we'll be able to visit parents and grandparents on a more frequent basis. Unless they're choosing not to, and that's a whole different story. Right. And yeah, more power to you, whatever your decision is and your health journey is. But your invitations might get never mailed. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. If I'm going to host a party, it's probably just going to be vaccinated people. 
Show me your card to get it. <laughs> but I'm with the DJ. I'm very sorry. No, that's not going to happen. <laughs> so, yeah, that is going to be really exciting. That will be feeling better about going to Vegas. That was my big push to have my second dose before we went. Right. I will. So to travel, to go to Vegas market, we recognize that can be a risky situation. So it makes it easier. Oh yeah. A lot more peace of mind. Yep. Well, let's get into this little showdown. Let's do it. The start of this sort of episode idea, I think came from some of our hotties who were listening and sharing their frustration with how they got started or how they're trying to get their business started. And We've taken bits and pieces of our starting journey, but we've never really gone into some of the nitty gritty about where we began, what it looked like getting off the ground. Yeah, and I've gotten a few Instagram DMs from people, like friends or people in my community that are designer curious. (laughs) (laughs) Like by curious, but Um, design curious. Yeah, what were the actual steps that I took to get to this point? Yeah. Because your and I journeys, your and I, that doesn't sound right. My and your? Your analysis? (laughs) (laughs) Mine and your journeys are very different. Right. And yeah, so there's a few ways to get to certain points. We all have different backgrounds, but we have some recommendations and thoughts and things maybe that we would have done differently or I don't know. I probably wouldn't, but... I mean, I'm not one for regrets. Yeah, I really just if I still got somewhere that I wanted to be, I don't really feel bad about it. But if I could give guidance to someone else, I'm happy to share. I think that's what we want to talk about more is this is what we did. And if it can help you avoid a scenario that you're not really keen on doing great, if that is not your jam. And yeah, so this is kind of a hi to anyone that I have sent here because you asked me this question. And this is a long form answer that I couldn't necessarily give over a DM or whatever. So this will be a little bit more thorough. And again, we're all starting at different places. So I was 42 when I started doing this, so I wasn't ready to go get a full degree and all that. So we'll go more into that. But if I had been 32, maybe that would have felt like something I could have done. Yeah. So let's start. Okay. Maybe the good place to begin is picking up from where I went back to design school when I was working full time in 2012. Mm-hmm. And then I took a while to get through school because I was working full-time and school part-time. So I do like one or two courses at a time. It was intense. It was exhausting. It was tiring. I think we've talked about that kind of journey. Was it, what kind of degree was it? It was a Bachelor of Arts in Interior Design. Okay. So. Did you already have a bachelor? No. I didn't. I had an associate's in business administration from a local community college. I did the whole, like, this is what you're supposed to do. Leave high school. I didn't want to go to university because I was kind of lost on what I wanted to do. Mm -hmm. I went to a community college and thought, this will be where I kind of find it, which was probably a helpful pathway to take on that. When you didn't really know, yeah. And so I thought, oh, I'll start studying some stuff. I'll do business. I studied a little psychology. I was really trying to find it. Ultimately, I finished the associates and it came at a time where my mom's health, she had breast cancer, was kind of coming to a head. I was working part time as a teller at a bank. Mm -hmm. And ultimately, it took me down a path of this business banking career that lasted 13 years. Mm -hmm. And but I knew probably around year seven, I don't want to die doing this. I don't want to retire from this job. There's not enough here. And it wasn't creative enough. Yeah, you made a practical decision to have a good job and have a secure life started. Right. It let my husband and I have a home, go on trips, have a wedding. It accomplished a lot. Yeah. And I probably couldn't have done all of that if I had started in interior design. I know that that journey for many new designers is a long poor road like (laughs) start as an intern yeah it's it's a longer path to get there you're working as an intern and then maybe a design assistant and maybe you can work your way up to that but it's a 
path to get to making even $50,000 a year. Mm -hmm. And I knew that that was going to be a rough transition. So when I did finally decide to leave the bank in 2017, I was in my senior classes and I had to do an internship. And I had looked and looked for internships all over that would let me work around my banking career. And it was part of your graduation degree requirements. Yeah, Yeah, you have to you have to do an internship for credit. And one was just not going to happen on nights and weekends. That's not what a designer, a working designer was not going to bring on an intern that wanted to work nights and weekends. No, it's that's not when they need you. No. (laughs) So And now that I think about, oh, if I brought an intern, that would sound really ridiculous. You want what? You better be my best friend already. You better be making me breakfast on Saturday morning. Uh, Yeah. I'll have French toast. Yeah. (laughs) That's what Cecily ordered. Yeah, she wanted French toast. That was definitely not on the menu. No. Um, (laughs) You'll have just toast. You can have an egg and toast separate. No syrup. So that was a really hard sell. Now, aside from that... We've talked about our journeys. I was not in a healthy space. I was stressed. I was working a really high pressure part of my career at that point. And so it was a hard, it was not an easy decision. We've talked about that during the Huddled Husbands Club episode where we had each of our spouses on. We've talked about that in Meet meet the Hot Young Designers. Like we weren't in good places. Like I knew I needed to go and that was just ripping off the Band-Aid to take an internship. And... After leaving my internship, I interviewed with a couple other designers and it just wasn't, it wasn't fitting. It wasn't making a lot of sense. They either wanted way more experience than I had, or I had already too much experience. To be making coffee. To be, yeah, to be running errands, organizing a sample library. And to their credit for those designers that I interviewed with, recognizing that, I had more to offer that would not be fulfilled by working for them as an entry-level design assistant job, truly. like Yeah, they weren't... Yeah. They They were prepared to give you more and... And they knew I could do more and it wouldn't be a fulfilling place. So that's, in the end, probably a good thing. Yeah. But I think that's... That's the... What do you call it? Like your... Origin story? Origin story, like Marvel Comics. I love an origin story. <laughs> so you got your internship, and then were there for how long? I was there for almost eight months. Are you sharing who it was with? or? I worked with Catherine Ireland. You guys might know her from Million Dollar Decorators on Bravo. And, I mean, other, other, other things. She's, like, on El Decor's A-list. She's very talented. She's legit. She's a very prominent Los Angeles designer. Some of you are thinking, Kathy Ireland? No, not the former supermodel turned home goods retailer, Kathy Ireland. No, Catherine Ireland. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, she's worked with Julia Louis-Dreyfus, Lindsay Lohan, a lot of others. But yeah, it's an intense field. She has a wonderful, gorgeous textile line that I think really introduced me to the world of textiles. She really turned up your bougie taste level. Oh, like a million times. If I wasn't already champagne taste on a beer budget when I started there, you know, leaving a career, it got really amped up seeing some of the finishes and the quality and the custom level workmanship that she could do. It was truly like a crash course in all things luxury design. Yeah, that's awesome. So that was a, she was a really great place to start from, but I was driving four hours round trip every day I'd go to work in Santa Monica for her. It's soul crushing to be in the car that often, but that's like a normal LA commute for some people. Yeah. That's not good on the lifestyle front. No. And I wasn't, I did not want to sign up for that for several years. They even asked me if I was going to continue to stay on. And it was just, no, this is not sustainable. I'm not moving to the west side of Los Angeles. We already owned at that time a condo. We were not selling it and moving. So you left from there and jumped straight into entrepreneurship? There's a little bit of a lag in between when I officially formed my company. So I didn't form Renstead Interiors till the end of 2017. 
Mm-hmm. So I had done my internship at the beginning portions through the summer of 2017. And then I kind of just took on some side projects for friends who had bought homes or moved into new places and they needed furnishing help, paint advice. Were you like, did you set up your business? Were you set up at all like a sole prop or were you just... No, it was just... Pay me. Kind of pay me for my time, informal agreements... I was kind of trying to figure out what I was going to do. So I thought, well, when I'm in between on this and I was... like in another job. Yeah, I was still interviewing with other designers. So I thought I need to be doing this, you know, when I have time. My friends were very understanding. They were like, oh yeah, between internship stuff and you, you know, interviewing for other roles at other designers, let's do this together. And like, So you didn't start out with a dream of entrepreneurship per se. No, I think it took me a while to get there. Yeah. After leaving a very structured corporate life where there's a lot of infrastructure, planning, resources. I don't think there's any more structured corporate situation than a A bank. bank. Yeah. Yeah. There's a step and a process and a procedure for everything you can think of under the sun at a bank. And it's all written down. It's all documented. And every file goes in an exact spot on the Mm -hmm. drive. Yeah. You have to name every file in a certain convention so anybody can find what they're looking for. There's a way to list everything. Okay. So you came around to, so you just kind of started building clients. Yes. Clientele. And I luckily had... I was very fortunate that I had a close friend who became probably one of my biggest projects to date where they had bought a home that was in as is condition from the original owner who bought it in 1953. It's a beautiful mid-century project. And I don't know how they trusted me to do it. I had had very little remodeling experience only on my own home and working with Catherine at that point. And they were like, we're going to do this. And we know nothing about going through this. So you knowing at least something, I feel like we can get through this together. And we did. But for the better part of a year, that ate up so much of my time. And I was charging, I think I was charging like... $45 an hour, really undervaluing it. But, and I was just trying to get the projects moving. Okay, you're my friend. You're taking a big risk on someone who's untested, had no portfolio, nothing to show for it other than a couple pictures at my own house of doing stuff and a totally different level. When someone's paying you, you're project coordinating with a contractor, with a structural engineer. Yeah, that's a really big project for For a noob, a complete noob. (laughs) High stakes, really risky. I could have royally fucked up. Like, yeah, engineer. I mean, luckily I went the right path. It's a licensed contractor. It's a licensed engineer. The drawings go through the city for approval. So, you know, it's not just me coming in saying, tear out that wall or do this. It's here's the idea. Here's the concept. Okay, let's have it documented, certified, approved. Yeah, you had checks and balances and put it. But it was just me. Like I hadn't started Renstead at that point. Mm -hmm. So a lot could have gone wrong. It didn't. Well, but I didn't make a shit ton of money off of a whole home remodel. No, and you didn't get all the photos you wish. No. And that's also the reality is you learn not every project is going to be the portfolio project. Not every part of that project is going to be that. And and how many first projects are that? Oh, none. Probably none. Probably none. You're lucky if someone will let you do their guest bedroom or do a dining room or... Or there may be a couple nice little moments that you feel like you still... Represented. Yeah. Right. So, I mean, truly, a crash course in putting everything from school and my internship and everything into practice and getting good about translating that to reality. And the business side of... Billing, financials, yeah, contracts. I was using a Microsoft Word invoice when it yeah. was just me, because it was just my name. Yeah, and that was that was not pro, you guys. So, well, it was a baby step. I had to start somewhere. Yeah. By the end of by the end of that year, I knew okay, I need to make this formal. Anyone else who comes on after this. Because you liked it. I knew I wanted to keep doing it. Yeah. But I didn't have, 
I think going back to what one of the hotties wrote in about was how do you get this stuff started? How did you pay for all of business licenses and forming your LLC and getting an attorney to draw up stuff? And I was fortunate that I started with a nest egg of money that I had saved. And my husband and I knew that leaving the bank would create a salary gap. So we had saved. I was probably much more conservative during that time because I knew how much was at risk. Mm -hmm. So we had money saved to be able to help bridge some of that salary gap and to make up for what would be lost having left a fully realized career. And I also had the money from those couple of like decorating, furnishing, you know, that remodel project. Right. And I used that money to help seed and invest in my own business. And that's probably by the time all is said and done, reasonably, I think any starting designer could probably expect to be spending several thousands between three and five thousand dollars wouldn't be crazy depending on what type of laptop or equipment you already happen to have yeah i came in with a like my macbook pro and i already had all my student software programs still now i'm not in student programs i've had to pay for them but i was fortunate to start off with my student licenses through school so i had very low overhead on the systems technology side but i had to get a contract and get it drawn up with an attorney and get website, get a website, start paying for QuickBooks, getting a bookkeeper. <laughs> like that yeah. all adds up in the beginning and you need money to do those things. And a lot of it, you don't necessarily need it all up front. So a lot of it is monthly. So you just have to have something that you know you can, if, I hate this term, but make your net every month. Yeah. You need whatever your billable fee is for your bookkeeping software every month, you need to make sure you've charged that much to cover that expense. And then your web hosting or yeah, whatever so you're doing. I feel like if you can make $500 a month, yeah, you can cover a lot of your costs, except for things that are going to be big out-of-pocket expenses like attorneys. Or if you're trying to do a photo shoot with a certain caliber of photographers right off the bat, you're going to be investing that money, not probably not the, the project itself at like mine at $40 an hour did not cover the shoot necessarily of no. that project. So yeah, it can be tough. Yeah. It, I mean, or it can evolve. Right. And it will and should evolve. Oh, of course. One of the listeners wrote in was from California and is like flabbergasted by our $800 a year LLC tax. Yeah, that's a lot of money. I would say don't start off there if you if you can't. But we've had Braden Drake on the show for our like Unfuck Your Biz episode where I, I firmly believe that I... Knowing what I know now, I would not recommend having all the liability on you if you're going to be taking on big projects. If you're starting out at like a decorating level where some of the risk is lower. But for me, since everything I started with was remodeling, I'm so grateful that yeah, if things had gone wrong with those projects and I had been sued, I would have been personally responsible and they could have bankrupted me as an individual. Right. Versus just bankrupting my LLC. Right. And then having to start over. Yeah, because if it's just a, co- a sofa order went bad, then, okay, you're out 2000 bucks and you pay it. And you, yeah. you get over it and it still sucks, but you're not bankrupt and they can't file judgments against you. But you can and, make that right. But a $250,000 full home remodel, like, that could be really terrible. Yes. $800 a year, so, I mean, it's a lot of money, but it's also not. Yeah, I mean, I think we need to adjust our money focus of if if someone is out there and they're working a standard rate job and you're making $25 an hour, yeah, that really sounds like a lot of money, like 800 bucks is rent. Sure. But you're trying to start a business. We're not trying to convince you to buy an expensive pair of shoes. We're, we're trying to talk to you about what it takes to really run an effective operating business. Correct. And that's why we don't charge $25 an hour, because we need to factor in all these extra costs that aren't getting covered by an employer. 
Hey, hotties. Have you ever listened to the show and wished you could ask us questions? Well, we just opened up private coaching sessions. Now you can book one or two hour Zoom sessions with Rebecca and me. Together, we bring over 40 years of experience in our combined professional backgrounds to help you with marketing, finance, and business strategy. We're here to guide you on anything from branding to systems to the emotional guidance that you need to run your business. Book today at hotyoungdesignersclub.com slash coaching or use the book now button on our Instagram. We can't wait to meet you. You left from being your own employer previously. Yeah, I won't get into all the before stuff, but go to episode one, meet the hot young. Homework for the hotties. I was a co-owner of a creative agency for various reasons. I needed to leave and I did not have this as a plan until I realized, oh, I'm out of this nest. So baby birds got to (laughs) fly. I was able to give myself from that time I think I had like a six month buffer buffer of chill time financially. But at that time I was like, okay, interiors have been something I've always loved. How am I going to figure this out? Again, I was 42. I was not going back to school. I do have a bachelor's. I went straight to four-year college after high school, studied graphic arts. So there's some overlap. For sure. Not as much as I thought. From a way to like present yourself, brand yourself, creating a visual identity. Packaging ideas and selling them to clients. Yeah. Definitely. Being able to make a pitch. Yep. There's a lot of transferable there, but... Yeah, definitely the marketing and branding side of it was a lot easier for me, but I knew that there was a lot that I didn't know. Mostly how to deal with product and trade services. I knew there was a lot that I didn't understand. Yeah. In fairness, my school really missed the mark on preparing you. They really train it as though you're going to work for another designer. Mm-hmm. So their thought is, you're going to learn this working for someone else. We're going to give you the preview. So I still left not knowing. Hmm. And I think that depends on the program. So I left my job officially, I think, in July of 2017. Licked my wounds for a while that summer. And then we have a local community college pretty close, actually, to me that has a pretty strong interior design program. So I'm like, okay, well, I'm just going to... Get my backpack, (laughs) go back to school. I went back to the junior college, American River, if anyone's local is listening. And I think I signed up for three or four classes that first semester. Some of them are like super fast. So there's like two. Like two in one semester type of gig? Yeah. Okay. And I did the business of interior design class, a... Let's see, I did a measuring and materials class that I learned a lot about window treatments and how to measure for wallpaper and carpet and stuff. And then an overview of design. Some of them were definitely better than others. (laughs) A couple of them, I guess they were transferring the program a lot to online, which I don't think translated well. Okay. The materials of interior design class was all online and no, no, no. I don't. I'm not writing an effing essay on carpet. It's. I mean, there's not an essay. There might be an essay there, but it's mm. not after not having gone and visited a showroom. Or, right. I'm supposed to do some research and do this. No, I already went to baby school on how to write a three. You don't need to know how to write an essay. You don't need to know how to take a quiz or prep for a test. In some of the courses, there was a lot of, okay, this is for freshmen in college learning how to be in college. Or how to be a professional. Or, yeah. No, I need the actual... I need the skills I need to do this for a job. Or like I failed failed an assignment from one one of the teachers I did not like who... I, t- I was supposed to do like color mixing like I don't remember it was some kind of color theory thing and you got paint and did some like you, you know. make a spectrum yeah I can't exactly remember what it was and I failed it because I didn't make my circles perfect I got a little bit like 
artsy. Yeah. Oh. And that was not the assignment. They wanted a formula. Yeah. No, and it needed to be in the actual lines of the circles or whatever. So. Yeah. Whatever. <laughs> that, like, kind of shit of, like, okay, no. But the business of interior design class, like, I still have that textbook and I still refer to it. That one was really great. It gave me a ton of overview on shipping, receiving, all the paperwork and the different reasons why you get a order confirmation and then you send the PO. I'm not saying like what the steps are of and what all these different shipping kind of things are and that was great and at the end of it we had to present our little business and name and logo okay in a presentation which oh I'm gonna kill this (laughs) <laughs> but it actually did help me launch because that was December of 2017. And I knew I wanted to come out with whatever I was doing in January. Right. So I used that as my jump off. And January, I announced that I was doing this. One of the things that the program recommended was that I get an internship. Mm-hmm. And I was just... Not here for that? Not here for that. I really resisted. But she did give me a recommendation of a local showroom who works with the school and has an interesting situation where she lets designers purchase out of her showroom and use her her accounts and shares profits. So I ended up interning there, unpaid for... Mine was at least, I got paid $15 an hour for mine. But they had me doing not just the teaching learning part of the internship, but also I had some client facing responsibilities. So I felt like, okay, if we pay you, we have some liability here. We're not just teaching you. Right. If we pay you, there's more things we can assign to you. I do not have (laughs) clients. So the designers all work independently out of this place. And so basically I shadowed another designer who turned into a friend and learned a ton from her. So basically... And, it, and I was at, I ended up doing some marketing for them. And so I learned a ton. I learned how to talk to trade vendors, how to set up my own. I learned the ins and outs of specific ones. I learned the PO and um, invoice process. I got a couple clients from them. My first one was so terrible. Oh, no. I don't even know what I charged. $400? Like a flat rate? For some stuff. Like one living room, and she really liked like glam and like like sheep's wool lamb. No glam. Oh, sorry. Like Kardashian, <laughs> two thousand twelve. Okay, okay, all right. It just was not my look, but okay, I'm just gonna do this because I just need to like go through this process and like present have... something to someone and do revisions and yeah, and it was like a Wayfair job. It was really bad. I mean, that's where. That's where you start when you don't have the sources and they don't have the budget. It was a budget, yeah. So anyway, I slowly gained confidence and perspective in my own accounts and stuff. So I was only at that internship for maybe three or four months. I still work with that showroom. They're still really helpful. They're a good local resource for you to have access to some accounts that you wouldn't want to manage on your own. And they have access. Yeah, because you don't meet the buying requirements for them. Flooring, I buy through them. So through that experience, I, even though I was hesitant, I highly recommend doing it because it just started building my, started building my design community and resources the owner of that showroom has 40 year plus years of experience, so I can still go to her and rely on her for ideas yeah. and help. And yeah, I got to go to Vegas a few times with them. Right. And have, you know, somebody show me the ropes. Have part of your nest egg left over to help you get started as Studio Plum? I think we kind of did opposite, actually. Where when I announced to the world that I was doing this. Yeah. Everyone was just waiting they were, with bated breath. They were couldn't wait to hear what's Rebecca doing next. Locally, there were people that were shocked that I left my last job and was doing something new. So right. I did kind of have local eyes on me. Maybe 50 people. But, <laughs> but 50 people, that's a really big house party. It is. <laughs> Can't have it now. I... Had my logo, I had business cards, I had my business license, I had my 
resale certificate. So all those things I did pull together and have. So I was ready to go. Yeah. I had a little contract. I had a little proposal. How did I do that? Through my internship, I learned a lot about some of the language that needed to be in things. Right. Podcasts. I cannot. A shit ton of podcasts. Say how many podcasts I listen to. Kimberly Seldon, Luanna Garris being like the main ones that I think going through their guests and listening to the ones that I wanted help with. Yeah. Veronica Solomon has a great one on Kimberly Seldon's about consultations. Yeah. And she walks you through her whole process and that was really helpful. Things like that. Facebook groups. Every Facebook group that you can find for designers. Just get in it and don't ask questions. Search it first and I promise there's a million answers. Yeah. I Googled a lot. I'm sure. I mean, I still Google a lot. I still Google a lot, but also the Facebook groups, people actually give you information, documents. I have a swipe file that I started building at that time. That's what I call like when you keep a resource that someone else has shared. Yeah, so I have a swipe file save with it. like 500 documents from other designers. If they're willing to share it. Yeah, they're great. sharing it. I'm not stealing anything from anybody. And I'm using it as my own like, oh, that's how they're doing it. I'm going to do it a little bit different. And tailor it to your process or what exactly. phase you're at in your business. Or make it differently designed. <laughs> Yeah, you got to start somewhere. We're not all, we don't all have the same graphics background that Rebecca does. Totally. (laughs) So there's a lot of information out there. I feel 80% self-taught. And I feel like I was taught a lot through Facebook groups and podcasts. And my internship. I mean, that was really, really hard for me to do. It's a real kick in the pants to have to say... I'm I'm an intern. I'm an entry level person, and it's really be humble about it. I was confident when it came to the marketing side that they did want help. I designed their logo, stuff like that. I did right. side projects for them, but yeah, I mean to come in and hat in hand, be like, "Hi, my name is Rebecca. I don't know what I'm doing." Yeah. How can I help? And what can I do? And the hard part for me was having come from being an expert in like my industry to come in and people would go, so do you know about this? And you're like, nope. Do you know this? No, I need you to go here. And you're like, where's that? Like truly kind of like a devil wears Prada moment where you're like, and who's that? And where are they? And what's that? (laughs) Yeah. And, and be treated like shit from some of the people that, I mean, yeah, I, you were just like the dumb, dumb intern. What was one of them? One of them was, go to this place and get color, look for colorful runners. That was like the very like vague description. Any colorful runner? What color is colorful? What style? What pattern? What shit? It was just like, go and find colorful runners. And you're like, what? To say, what do you mean by that? And say more and asking for that. Yeah, you can feel like an idiot. But then pretty quickly they realize like, oh, this is a intelligent person with work experience. Right. So let's give them more. I saved everything. I kept everything that I could find. I just searched and searched and searched one thing at a time. So yeah, I got a client. I'm like, shit, I need a proposal. Draw one up before you send it. And I think for the first <laughs> six clients, I probably changed my proposal every, every time. single time. Yes. Updated my website services every single time. Every time something went wrong on one project, the contract got updated for the next project. Exactly. I think I changed my pricing every single time in the beginning. Almost every client, you upped it. There was a good period of time in the first year where I was making a really concerted effort to reinvest what I would have been taking as salary or as payment for myself, putting it back into things like bringing on a web team, bringing on a branding team, bringing on a proper bookkeeper at one point and knowing that, okay, I'm investing this into my business. And I recognize that if it weren't for my husband still having his full-time employment where we could say, yeah, go ahead and don't pay yourself this yeah. month and use that to get a new website platform off the ground because your DIY one is not attractive to the types of clients you want to work for. And that can be hard for a lot of 
startup designers to recognize that you could go unpaid at some point. Yeah. It still happens. And it's not realistic when you think for some, they're like, wait, I still have to pay all my bills. I couldn't tell someone who was, who's like single on their own, how, how they're going to do that. I couldn't say, how do you do that? How do you not pay yourself that month? I get that that may not be an option. Well, you may I think be... all these things you just do to the best you can afford. So yes, yeah, same. My husband has a steady job with great benefits. Very blessed hashtag in that way. But when I started my first business, my first company, I was single. I was not even dating my husband. And you had to do all of that. And I jumped and... It's just one paycheck or not even paycheck, one client payment at a time. And you take on a lot of stuff that you would not want to do again just because you're, hey, that's 500 bucks. Hey, that's, you know. I literally worked 18 hours a day, every day, never saw anybody. So, but I had no boyfriend or family. So So you could do that that. then. It was possible to do that at that time in your life. And I would work every day just, man, I I remember putting a lot of time and energy into being present on Instagram to build credibility, talking about anything because people need to see your face and build comfort with you, especially when you're a new designer and there's not much out there. People are building their comfort level based on what they're seeing you present. Yeah, I was going to say to get a little bit into that back to like my Bobby Burke thing. That's awesome when somebody, a big account shares you, but how do you get kind of a your portfolio built Mm -hmm. if you don't have clients and how do you kind of start growing a following and I just again go back to the one room challenge episode like starting in your own home starting your own home we've both done it I 100% credit one room challenge to my growth on Instagram 1000% yeah and my own home and projects and I, I, people... shoot, I shoot a lot of my own stuff. So again, like I know I have a, a step ahead of a lot. You have some good equipment. <laughs> I've grown it, but it's all secondhand. I have friends who are photographers who I get lenses from. I bought my brother's old camera. Yeah. Work your Do what you have to do. Contacts, yeah. Okay? Which I think is a lot of what I've done too. And you can do some good stuff on an iPhone just... Clean your lens, get good lighting. I mean, you're going to do a lot of the work yourself. It is going to be stressful. It's tiresome. And I, I hope that for the hotties who are writing in or messaging us and asking about it, I, I would really hope that you guys are seeing through the perspective of the podcast. We've had our fair share of shit shows like I every day still. still. Like, like <laughs> I'm not trying to be out here. This is... It's perfect and it's wonderful. And we live in Oz now. No, we don't live in Oz. Every day I'm, again, we're still Googling. We're still learning from these Facebook groups. We're learning from each other. I still message other designers to say, hey, I'm about to use this product. What went wrong with it? I think every single opportunity you have is an opportunity to learn that thing. So my philosophy has always been, if someone asks if I can do something and it sounds interesting to me, do yes, it. I can. I sure can. I'd like Google. Yeah. Find out who else did it. Message them. Do you have the figure it out skills? Then if you do, you can do it. Right. I think a lot of our job is dependent on the ability to say, I've seen this done somewhere. I'm gonna figure out how it gets done and we're gonna make it happen. And That goes to all levels of things. If your client was previously only doing furnishing and now they want you to do some remodel work with them, it's okay, I'm just going to have to figure out how to do that if that's something I want more of in my world that's going to pay my bills and I'm going to have to jump in and figure out how to do that. And it's going to be scary and you're going to white knuckle it. (laughs) Yeah. And if you're just sitting in a different position in career or not anywhere in this industry and you're curious about getting into it, I think podcasts are the best way to start. Listen to designer interviews because they will kind of go through what they've been through, what they've been through, the mistakes and just see if little nuggets of wisdom fall out along the way. Wisdom, but also cautionary tales and just make sure you're still into it. (laughs) 
It's very different than just the pretty part. All jobs are, but this job is mostly what? Paperwork and problem Paperwork, problem solving, client experience. Mm-hmm. And that's just a huge umbrella term for, yeah, you're dealing with problems. You're dealing with someone who's upset. Their house is in shambles and you're trying to help them and they're depending on you. So if you're not, if you're not open to that kind of how to handle that type of pressure, this is a hard career to do that in because it does fall to you. You are trying to like be the concierge to help people through this and you, and the buck said, stops with you. It does. But, and that said, but there are a lot of ways to crack the egg. Right. You and I run our businesses differently. We have different goals with our businesses. Totally. We have different strengths with our businesses. And we will backfill our, whether it's weakness or things we don't want to do with other help. So... It can be done. It can totally be done. But we didn't start glamorous. No. It didn't start off all together. It it is expensive. It, it does start cost money. High paying. Right. I I mean I rolled so much of every first job back right into it. Like, oh great, now I can hire that website team mm-hmm. to do this for me. That's a couple thousand dollars. Great. Now now I'll pay for acuity to book my appointment. Right. Like and- I mean I think those are the things that start to become really transformative for your business is when a booking platform now makes it so people can get at you faster and it increases your credibility and professionalism. And you might still be figuring it out behind the scenes, but it looks much more put together. Yes. So baby steps. Baby steps. Yeah. Figure out one thing at a time, get the client and just figure out. I think my first job, I literally created every part of that process as I went. Right. You're pretty much building the ship as it starts to float on water. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you're building the car as it's driving. Yeah, like one plank at a time, trying to hold it together. So if you're into that, I mean, I I love a wing it moment. So I don't think I would have had the motivation to do it. If you knew. If, If I didn't have the time pressure and the sensitivity to this client's waiting on a proposal. I have to I have to do this for them. What's a proposal? Let me Google it. What are what's the best format for this proposal? Yeah. Or this client wants to know how that bathroom remodel works. And then you're going back through like old school paperwork in like construction documentation. And I'm like, how did we do that in that class? Mm-hmm. And I still have note pages from my school notebooks that I constantly I refer do. back to or drafting standards and We're all still kind of making it up as we go. Don't be fooled. But I think we're going to have to direct quite a few people back to this episode, send the hotties to this episode from time to time. We get a lot of questions about how did we do it and how did we get started? And we want to be respectful to everybody and be able to give time. But you can tell already, this is a much bigger iceberg than what we can answer in a DM. Or I know you've had people ask you for coffee or something and they want to do that. And it's and just... I'm happy to do that sometimes. I mean, it's obviously just hard to do right now. Hard to do now. Hard to pull away from our businesses too much. Yeah. So this is like, kind of our platform for like that. I don't want anyone to be afraid to ask questions because that's well also what we're recommending. So I cast a wide net. We'll set we'll put as many links as we can think of in the show notes. Yeah. For references to our favorite most helpful Facebook groups and some podcasts. Of, some of the other shows that we've listened to that have been helpful online resources. Maybe books. I mean, I don't have Very any a big books. to-do list for us. Yeah, that's a lot. Don't don't sign me up for all of that. But <laughs> I'll put my my business of interior design book that I got. It's a school book, but you can get it on Amazon. And something you just read through. Yeah, like it's a reference book. So it can be done. It can. Y'all be have done. this, and if you're out there living that freelance hustle, side hustle, student life, or change career life. And you know you really want to do this, you can either just do it like I kind of did. Just freaking get started. Or go to school. And if that will help and give you a plan and more, you know, feeling of security, which totally would, and you have time and money to invest in doing that, do it. Yeah. You got this. So until next time. Stay hot, designers. 
Thanks for joining this meeting of the Hot Young Designers Club podcast. If you liked what you heard, please subscribe and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. Check out the show notes there for links to things we talked about today. We are keeping the conversation going on Instagram, so don't forget to like, comment, and follow at Hot Young Designers Club. You can find Rebecca on Instagram at Studio Plum. And you can find Sean at Renstead Interiors. That's W-R-E-N-S-T-E-D. Yeah, and you have like 16 files named Client Project Final, Final 2, Final 3, Final, 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 Final. (laughs) Final 2. Yeah, Final Version 4.5.